Have any of you seen any Christmas cards in the shop yet? No. Good. Good. That's good. I'm glad about that. The earliest one I saw last year was actually in the middle of August. And we'd gone on a family day out to Cromer and uh, we needed to buy a birthday card. And we went into the shop and um, it was for a friend of Grace's and so she was off looking at the cards and I was just looking around and in one of the sections out, I couldn't believe it, there were Christmas cards there already. Not even the end of August, well I have seen them before, slap bang in the middle of August. In fact, I, I took a picture of one of the cards that I, I saw because um, th this left me even more incredulous. It said, to a special cat. <laughs> Wishing you a meowy Christmas. Goodness me. In the middle of August, that's what I came across. Well, I tried not to come across as a, a grumpy old man who thinks it's, Christmas is being looked at too early. But uh, I was looking it up. It's estimated in the United Kingdom, around 900 million Christmas cards are sent each year. When it comes to Easter... Uh, not nearly so many, but still quite a large amount. Around 16 million cards are sent. We mark Jesus' birth and all that happens around Easter through death and resurrection. When I go into card shops, I can occasionally see baptismal cards to mark baptism. Jesus was baptised. Um, I've never seen an Ascension Day card or received one. Has anyone here? No. No, maybe there's a gap in the market. That's my suggestion tonight. Uh, lots of people like to buy cards for all kinds of things. Maybe we could have an Ascension Day card sending opportunity. But it made me think. You know, obviously we, it's been taken over very much by society and sending Christmas cards in particular um, to a point where we might question whether people really understand the true meaning of Christmas. You know, have a meowy Christmas, need I say any more. Um, but I, I just wonder, you know, we might send Christmas cards and Easter cards. We would certainly wish people happy Christmas and happy Easter. But we don't really do much to mark Ascension Day. Uh, you know, they might in the Church of England and in the Catholic Church, but probably we as Baptists can often let it pass us by. The fact that it's on a Thursday rather than a Sunday aids us in that. We may remember, hopefully we will remember, that when it's Pentecost we celebrate Pentecost. But Ascension Day is one of those that can pass us by. How relevant is it to us? And that's what I want to think about a little bit tonight, to consider what the relevance is of Ascension Day and how it might speak to us, uh, given that it's only a few days past Ascension Day. And there are three things that I want to talk about this evening. I want to talk about a new understanding, a new promise, and a new task. A new understanding, a new promise, and a new task. So let's have a look, first of all, at a new understanding. The book of Acts starts like this. This is Dr. Luke writing in my former book, Theophilus. I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up to heaven. After giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles, he had chosen. After his suffering, he showed himself to these men 
and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. Jesus had a limited time from that moment of resurrection and to ascension to really tell the disciples all they needed to know. You see, as we read the Gospels, we see again and again that they misunderstand and they don't really get what is going on. Let me give you some examples of this. Um, In John 13, at the Last Supper, uh, Judas is about to betray Jesus. Uh, And Jesus says to Judas, what you are about to do, do quickly. But no one at the meal understood why Jesus said this to them. You know, they didn't get it. There are other cases as well. Um, When Jesus clears the temple in chapter 2 of John's Gospel, he says, destroy this temple and I will raise it again in three days. Uh, And we're told the Jews misunderstood because they thought he was talking about the actual physical temple. And they said, well, that's taken 46 years to build. How can you build it in three days? Uh, And then John goes on to write, but the temple he had spoken of was his body. After he was raised from the dead, his disciples recalled what he had said. Then they believed the scriptures and the words that Jesus had spoken. So it was only after Jesus died. Uh, And then later on in Mark's Gospel, chapter 9, the transfiguration. We read there, as they were coming down the mountain, Jesus gave them orders not to tell anyone what they had seen until the Son of Man had risen from the dead. They kept the matter to themselves, discussing what rising from the dead meant. You see, they didn't really understand all that Jesus was doing. They, over the three years, had gained a lot of knowledge about Jesus and all that he had done. But now that they were at a moment where they needed new understanding. Uh, And over the 40 days, Jesus reveals to them more of all that they had seen and interprets it for them so they can understand what it was all about that they had witnessed. They needed a new understanding. And that's exactly what Jesus was giving them. When he says here he spoke about the kingdom of God, he was helping them understand all of the things that they had seen so that they could then pass it on. They needed a new understanding. And I believe in the 40 days, Jesus gave them all that they needed to know to be able to understand what he had done. I just wanted to ask the question for us. You know, because of that time, I believe that's why we have the Gospels that we do. I don't believe the disciple, the Gospel writers could have written what they had done had they not had the experience or had the experience passed on to them of Jesus teaching them in these days. What about us? It is the significance for us that actually in order to understand who God is, we have everything that we need contained in Scripture. But we need wisdom about how to apply it. 
Uh, and I just wonder sometimes it's the significance of Ascension Day is almost that, that promise, if you like, that Jesus has given a new understanding to interpret what has happened so that you can see that Jesus is actually in control over all of the things, that he knew what was going to happen, that actually the victory was won and they have hope for the future. Uh, and I just wonder if sometimes we need a new understanding. Is the significance of Ascension Day for us partly that there are times when we need a new understanding? Because we look at things that have happened in our past and we said, God, where are you in this? What are you doing? Or, or maybe we've come across intellectual questions that we've kind of thought, I don't really get this, the theology side of things that helps us to understand who God really is. Uh, and maybe... Maybe tonight, God wants to say to us, I want to give you a new understanding. A new understanding of who I am and why I have come. A new understanding of things that have happened in your life so you can see my presence with you through that. So you can see what I have been doing through those times. Because I believe, and it comes through the Gospels, that the reality is this. God is always with us. And God is always working his purposes out. We don't always see and understand what that might be. But he is there and he is involved and he is transforming situations to bring good out of what might have been bad. Do we need a new understanding? Maybe tonight we can ask God for exactly that. That's the first thing, a new understanding. The second, a new promise. Uh, I don't know if any of you ever like reading the letters in newspapers. Uh, I don't very often, but occasionally uh, I do. And uh, I came across this one. I didn't actually read it in the paper. It was just one that I, um, I saw referred to elsewhere. Uh, a letter written uh, that went like this. Sir, I was assisting my 16-year-old daughter with her homework when she received a text from mum which read, What do you want from life? This was an unexpected and profound question for an exam-sitting teenager. We debated various answers. Wealth, fulfilment, love, all three. Five minutes later, she received a second message blaming predictive text for correcting the word little. <laughs> What do you want from little? What do you want from life? Sometimes, sometimes there's confusion that reigns in what people are saying. Uh, in that case, it might be predictive text. Uh, but in this scripture, there's some confusion as well. Even as Jesus is explaining everything to them, uh, it's taken 40 days to kind of help them get it. There's still this moment when they don't. Look at this. It says, Jesus says, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Great promise. So what do the disciples do? How do they respond? Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? 
Uh, do, you, do you know what? All the way through, they've kind of thought, they've, they've, they've not really got what Jesus is all about. You know, surely Jesus is about restoring the glory of the kingdom of Israel. Even now, after he has died, after he's rose, risen again, he tells them, you're going to be baptised with the Holy Spirit. You've got this promise, which he's talked about before, but now he says it's a new promise because he says, in a few days. You know, it's coming. It's nearly here. And they say, um, well, are you going to restore the kingdom of Israel at this time? Yeah, I, I can kind of imagine Jesus almost pulling his hair out, saying, no, no, that's not, I mean, he responds far better than that, of course. Um, he says, it's not for you to know the times or the dates the Father has set by his own authority. Uh, but that's not really the point of what I want to think about tonight. It, it, it's simply this. It, Jesus has spoken about the Holy Spirit before. We read about it certainly in John's Gospel. And um, that promise is going to be kept. In just a few days, it will happen. Uh, and so what we see here in Ascension Day is we see that Jesus is making a promise that we know from this side of Pentecost was kept. Because just ten days later, they would be baptised by the Holy Spirit. They would receive at Pentecost that wonderful gift of the presence of God within them, forever with them. The promises of God are always kept. In um, 2 Corinthians, Paul writes this, For no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. Uh, so the second thing that I wanted to think about tonight as we think about what is the significance of Ascension Day is this. Jesus makes a promise to his disciples that in a few days they will receive the Holy Spirit. That happens. Jesus keeps his promises. Uh, and it may be that some of us have seen, read, experiences, promises of Jesus, and we're still waiting to see them fulfilled. When he makes a promise, he always keeps it. And just want to encourage you tonight that if there are things that you think, well, I'm, I'm sure, you know, it's contained in Scripture that Jesus has promised this, but I haven't seen it in my experience, in my life yet. You will do, because Jesus keeps his promises. There is no promise that he has made that he has not kept. Never will he make a promise that he doesn't keep. And in Ascension Day, we can be reminded of that as Jesus makes that promise. And we see that it is kept. A new promise. Uh, and while they're waiting for that promise, what do they do? Because if we're waiting for a promise, what do we do during that time? It's interesting that Luke refers to the fact that in his former book, um, so the Gospel of Luke, uh, and right at the end of Luke's Gospel, uh, he gives a different account of the Ascension Day. He, uh, this is what he says happens afterwards in verse 52 and 53. Um, then they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy. And they stayed continually at the temple praising God. That's what it says at the end of Luke's Gospel. Yeah, what was their response? They hadn't seen the promise fulfilled at that moment. Uh, they were still in that place of hope 
expectation. I mean, they must have had expectation. If Jesus promises something, well, they've just seen him die and rise from the dead again. It must give you confidence that if he says something is going to happen, he can do it. And actually, we can have that same confidence, but also hopefully that same response, that as we wait to see promises of God fulfilled in our lives, what do we do? We praise God and we worship him with joy. Because this is what faith is about. Faith is about believing that what we have not yet seen will be. And he promises good to us. So even if we are waiting to see things in our personal lives, promises that we believe that are made to us, let's keep praising, let's keep worshipping with joy in our hearts, because the one who has beaten death keeps his word, keeps his promises. A new promise. And finally, the third thing. So we've had um, a new understanding, a new promise. Thirdly, a new task. There's a fairly well-known story that some of you may have heard before, which recounts uh, the return of Jesus to heaven after his time on earth. This is how it goes. It says, Even in heaven he bore the marks of his earthly pilgrimage with its cruel cross and shameful death. The angel Gabriel approached him and said, Master, you must have suffered terribly for people down there. I did, he said, and continued, Gabriel, do they know all about how you loved them and what you did for them? Oh no, said Jesus, not yet. Right now, only a handful of people in Palestine know. Gabriel was perplexed. Then what have you done to let everyone know about your love for them? And Jesus said, I've asked Peter, James, John and a few more friends to tell other people about me. Those who are told will in turn tell still other people and my story will be spread to the farthest reaches of the globe. Ultimately, all of humanity will have heard about my life and what I have done. Gabriel frowned and looked rather sceptical. He knew well what poor stuff people were made of. Yes, he said, but what if Peter and James and John and the others grow weary? What if the people who come after them forget? Haven't you made any other plans? Jesus answered, I have no other plans. I am counting on them. You know, it's incredible when you think about it. I mean, that's obviously just a made-up story. But, you know, it's incredible, isn't it, that, that Jesus comes and does what he does. And then he entrusts a small group of people to go and tell everyone else about what he has done. You know, it's not even as if they were the religious elite. It's not like they were renowned teachers who could inspire everyone. He leaves ordinary people to go and tell others about who he is. Uh, And of course, uh, the last words of Jesus before he is taken up into heaven echo the call to go out. 
Yeah, we have our verse of the year from Matthew's Gospel. Uh, These are the last words that Matthew records. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptising them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Uh, And here in verse 8, Luke says this. Jesus says, it's not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. That's what their new task is going to be, going out. And sharing. Uh, and it's interesting, isn't it? I, I mentioned that, uh, that verse before, verse 6, I think it is, when um, the disciples are just told that the Holy Spirit is going to come and they will be baptised. Uh, and their immediate question is, Jesus, what are you going to be doing? That, that's what they wonder. Is this the time you're going to restore the kingdom to Israel? Well, that's what they wonder about. Uh, and then... Um, then when Jesus is taken up into heaven, what do they do? They're looking intently up into the sky as he was going. It's almost like they're saying, Jesus, what are you doing next? And the rebuke, the gentle rebuke comes from the men dressed in white. He said, men of Galilee, why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. Why do you keep looking up? You've just been given a task. Don't look at exactly what Jesus is doing at this moment. And of course, there are other preachers uh, where we'd say, do look at exactly what Jesus is doing. We need to do that. But you kind of get what I'm saying here, I hope. that What they say is they were just so busily trying to focus on on Jesus that they were forgetting they'd got something to do themselves. And that's a challenge for us to think about as well on Ascension Day and why it's relevant for us. You see, Jesus going up into heaven was the end of his earthly ministry, and we have a call to carry it on, to go throughout the world proclaiming the name of Jesus. Uh, And that's an important reminder for us. As we were listening last week to Steve Fenning, and he was encouraging us to to look outwards, as he he was explaining how they as a church have done that, One of the things he he quoted from James Emery White, and it's a quote I've come across before, uh, and I think there's something very powerful in this. It says this, James Emery White says, Left to itself, the natural flow of the church is to turn inward, grow older, and become outdated. Leadership must intentionally combat all three. Uh, And just saying that actually the natural thing for us to do is just be concerned about what we do in this place and enjoy what we're doing in this place. Uh, And actually that's not our calling. Our calling is to people who go out and go out and share the good news of Jesus. That doesn't mean it isn't important what we do here. It is important. It doesn't mean it's not important that we gather together as a church family and support one another. Of course it is. But actually, our focus is we do this to give us strength when we go out. 
Our purpose is not doing that just because we enjoy coming together. Our purpose is let's encourage one another as we know that our calling is not just to be people who come here and express our faith on a Sunday or at other Christian events when we might meet together in, during the week. Our Christian duty is to be going out to be light and salt in the world out there. Go. Go and make disciples. And this is what he's saying to the disciples on Ascension Day, the last day that he is with them. You've got to go out. You've got to go out to the very ends of the earth. And that's our calling as well. So on Ascension, not Ascension Day itself, because that was Thursday, but on this day when we're remembering Ascension Day, why do I think it's significant? Well, there could be lots of other reasons as well. But three things that I think are applicable for us and we can think about is that there are times when we need a new understanding to see what God has been doing and where God has been in our lives. There are times when we need to know that he does make promises to us and they're kept, even if we're struggling to see where they are being kept right now. And whilst that's the case, we keep worshipping him and we remember we have a task a task to do for him of going out and sharing the good news of a saviour who died, who rose again, who lives forever and who loves you and me. Praise him. Praise him. Amen.